subatomic gigantic occasion was a sweep in Japan nation when along came a dude with an ultra attitude, a common Morado, the greatest kicker of Japan. And of all man. Last you short now, baby. To not talk big now, baby. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to a brand new episode of Kaiju Conversation. I'm your host, Elijah, and joining me as always, my lovely co-host. Hello there, I am Rex. Unfortunately. Uh, unfortunately? You've been harassing me for the last two hours. I think your microphone has. Yeah, but you've been adding to it. You contributed uh, to, uh, to it. Uh, I... I'll have you know I am a very supportive individual. That's the opposite of true. That is untrue. What is this slander? This is not slander. That's not slander. I think it is. It's not. It is. You are just slandering my name. What? Sure. You haven't. Aren't I a great person? You know. Do you pay your taxes? Um, we don't talk about that. Ah, uh uh-huh, just like we don't talk about Bruno. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, yes, we are back and ready to go at once again. And this time we are beginning a very long uh, part of this year where we will not be breaking so oh boy this is it this is going to be the real test of kaiju conversation it will like we had our avengers level like back in in august of last year like coming together right and then i we had like our age of ultron like chris uh halloween time but mm-hmm. now we are at our infinity war like <laughs> we'll either win or lose mm. Dun, dun, dun! Wonderful. Thank you. Thank what you. an astute analogy. Uh, and then and then at the end of the year, we'll have our end game, and we'll see if one of us dies to save the other. Mm. It would be pretty funny if you died. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, hmm. Wow. Hmm. You know, well, you know, do a fun well, podcast. Yeah, f- thanks. Th- thank you, everybody, so much for listening. This is, uh, I'm dead now, so. Uh, yeah, it would be um, pretty goofy. You've yeah, got to yeah, admit. Maybe. Maybe. But we are back and we are ready to go. We just finished up March, the third month of this lovely year so far. And, yeah. uh. You know, the Oscars just happened. Guillermo del Toro won another Oscar. And, oh, yeah, uh, Pinocchio. Yeah. I still have not seen that. Likewise. He actually beat two kaiju-esque movies, Turning Red and uh, The Sea Beast, so props to him. And uh, The Fablemans didn't win anything, so, like, that's that's horrible. Like, Tragic. blasphemy. Like, that's literally the best movie of the last, like, Fifty I mean, years. I mean, hey, at least Michelle Yeoh got an Oscar, a well-deserved one. This is true. Same with Jamie Lee Curtis. 
You see, I love Jamie Lee Curtis. But... But I don't uh, think she should have gotten an Oscar for that role. But she deserves an Oscar. You see, I don't disagree. But... And, like... Because, like, let's... Everybody agrees that was a legacy win. Like... Yes. That's why Anthony Hopkins beat Chadwick Boseman. Like... What what are the odds of Anthony Hopkins getting nommed again? Mm. Though they snubbed John Williams, if I if I do say so myself. When was this that they snubbed John Williams? Best score. I think it went. I think it went to Everything Everywhere All at Once. But um, had had Williams won, he would hold the record for oldest person to receive an Oscar. Damn. So, so did he score the Fablemans? Or... Yes, yes, he did. Okay, I didn't even know he was still active outside. I thought like his last project was probably like I don't know, Rise of Skywalker or something. No, he. I want to say he's done two since Rise of Skywalker. I think I could be wrong. Oh well. But yeah, that the Oscars happened. Nothing too exciting came from it. Um. Yeah. They, they didn't like even the memorium was kind of disappointing. Um mm. I saw a lot of people complain about Kevin Conroy, but even more than that, like honestly they didn't include Conroy. I did hear about that part actually. They didn't include Takarada, which mm. I kinda understand, but they included Haru and Nakajima, and I feel like Takarada and Nakajima were on the same level of like Yeah. Um they didn't include Takarada. They didn't include Jason David Frank, which I think is kind of weird because Power Rangers is actually a huge like thing to like your a lot of people. You like your millennial age people, like yeah. Power Rangers is a lot bigger than a lot of people I think understand. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. And then who? They didn't include Sonny Chiba. Really. Mm-hmm. Which I really? think is like a big like Chiba did so much internationally. Yeah, Chiba like, is very well known actor. Like his his death got talked about quite a bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Like he's been in Tarantino films, he was in a Fast and Furious movie, um, he's worked with Toei. He actually basically is the one that created the way Power Rangers fight. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, didn't he form the, um, like, an action um, yes. club, and that w- and I think Hiroyuki Sonata was in it? I, I don't know if Sonata was in it, but I know Chiba and Sonata were, like, collaborated a lot early on his in, in his career. Yeah. I mean, weren't they together in, like, um, 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 Legend of Eight Samurai? They were together in quite a few, actually. Um, Legend of Eight Samurai, mm-hmm. Message from Space. I want to say Samurai Reincarnation or Shogun Samurai, one of those. There was a few, like, late 70s, early 80s films that they collaborated on. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I was really shocked that they in like they said go to the website to look at more. And even in the more section, they didn't have any of these names. So it's kind of like, that's disappointing. They were really trying to, like, cut down the Oscars. But I feel like the in-memoriam part shouldn't be, like, that should be about 10, 15 minutes. 
Yeah. It, yeah, I wouldn't cut that bit down personally. Likewise. Uh, um. So maybe, I mean, I enjoyed the Oscars this year more than the last few years, but I think... I think they're pushed to cut stuff down, kind of trimmed out a little bit too much. Mm. But speaking of the Oscars and awards, I don't normally do stuff like this so early on in the recording, but it's something that like is really important to me. So I'm just going to take a few minutes here just to say something. Um, About two weeks ago now, I woke up and I had a lot of messages on my phone. And I was like, oh, God, what did I do? What, <laughs> what, what did I say on the podcast? What, what's going on? What, what, what horrible thing is happening now? Who said what? Florida's coming back to haunt you. Yeah, I was like, oh, God, <laughs> what, what, what's happening? And it, they were all like, look at the nominations here. So there's a... A horror awards thing that happens every year called the Rondo Hatton Classic Horror Awards. It's where people vote for books, movies, releases on DVD and Blu-ray and 4K, magazines, all that good stuff. There's they people like submit stuff and and then you get like a list of finalists and yeah. you can nominate somebody to win the awards. It's like the Oscars, but like more people can join in on it. And it's more of like a community vote. Mm -hmm. And I woke up and everybody uh, had the, the similar message. And I found out uh, if you listen to our Ghidorah, the three headed monster episode, which was about four or five months ago, it, in it, I mentioned that I actually got to write a little review on the film for a book. Giant mm -hmm. Bug Cinema, A Monster Kid's Guide. Well, I found out that that book has been nominated for the book of the year for Rondo. So I'm now officially a Rondo Award nominated writer, which is kind of exciting for me. Especially since, thank you. This this was my first book I've ever contributed to, so I was really surprised to like get this far with it. Um, so voting has started, and you can help support Giant Bug Cinema and in in a roundabout way support me by emailing uh, t a r a c o at aol dot com and casting your vote for each category. Um, if you look up rondoaward.com, you can find a blog post about the nominees. You'll have to copy and paste it and like pick which one for each category, and you have to include your name. But under Book of the Year, you could put Giant Buck Cinema and help support that. Um, I was really surprised by this. So... You know, if you guys want to help, there's some kaiju in there. There's just, you know, some typical giant monster stuff. It's, it's a pretty cool book, especially the Ghidorah part. Whoever wrote the Ghidorah review is, like, huh. a great person. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So, sure. 
And another kaiju podcaster, Nathan Marchand of the Monster Island Film Fault, also got to write a review for it. So you're not mm-hmm. only helping me, but you're helping out a fellow kaiju podcaster and getting us uh, out there and more successful, which, you know, is a lot we could ask for. But, you know, if you guys could help with that, that'd be awesome. I know I'd appreciate it a lot. Mm-hmm. So... Enough with the the, the shameless self-promotion here. More importantly, Rex, how have you been? Oh, I've been doing absolutely wonderful, thank you. (laughs) I feel like that's sarcasm. You know, whenever I say something genuine, I feel like I always sound sarcastic. That sounds like sarcasm. God damn it. (laughs) See what I mean? I see. So you've been doing decent? Yes, yes, I have. Good. Anything new? Like, we haven't we haven't really spoken about how we've been doing since our last recording, so... Not particularly at the moment, just getting through the busyness of life, you know? Gotcha. Have you watched any toku? Last time we spoke, you were almost done with Kamen Rider, so... That was the last I heard. I'm pretty sure the last time we spoke, I was done with Kamen Rider, actually. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure I heard that you were almost done. You were in the 90s. No, last time I remember talking about Kamen Rider the first. Well, you said you you wanted to watch Kamen Rider the first. I asked what you were going to do once you finished Kamen Rider, and you said probably watch the first, so I understand it a bit better. Before uh, watching Shin Kamen Rider. I I don't think you're... Do you remember our last episode, bro? I do. Plus, I listened to it. What was our last episode, bro? It was Death... Wait. Wait. (laughs) Oh. You know what? (laughs) Um, I retract everything... Did cut cut the last two minutes. Just cut I'm it. I'm not cutting this. This is hilarious. <laughs> oh god. So to answer your question, I don't remember. So Rex, have you watched any Tokusatsu lately? <laughs> yes, yes, actually. So it's not so that can... funny. It's not that deep, man. <laughs> it, it, it it's is, not so that it deep. Is. It is. Um so from where I left off. I'm rough. I'm just under halfway through Common Rider Black. Um, and I watched the Common Rider Black Hurry to Onigashima um, movie, short film, whatever. Um, and outside of that, I have also watched a, a Thai film that, you know, it's titled The Lake. You've watched that? Yes. So I'm not watching it until it comes out to Blu-ray. Yeah. Um, without spoilers, initial thoughts. The the opening scene is absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen that, so I know what you're talking about. But from around like 15 minutes in, it slowly starts to get worse and worse. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's, so it's got one of the most promising starts I've seen in a while, but then it just 
So the director wanted to basically do a Thai version of the host or Godzilla 54. Um, and also Jurassic Park. I feel like that's hinting to something. I don't want to dive too far in. I'm just going to say that there is a, there's one scene that is very obviously inspired by Jurassic Park, but even outside of that, there's a couple, there's like a few shots that I noticed that just, even felt like they were emulating like the first two Jurassic World films. Mm-hmm. So, like one of them may be a coincidence, but like you know, I I definitely noticed it and was like, huh, gotcha. So it is not fifty four the host. Sadly, not. I gotcha. wish it was, but it 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 really is not it. I honestly around like the not quite a little bit over the halfway mark when that sort of Jurassic Park scene comes up. It's I I honest to God nearly fell asleep or it was oh, starting to doze off. That's not good. Yeah. Cause like that sequence goes on for way too long. And, and it's just the editing in general of the movie that I think is its biggest issue. Gotcha. Like, is it too jarring? Is it too choppy? What? Uh, I would say choppy, yeah, is probably a decent way to put it. It's just... I don't know. The editing just... It's just not very well edited. A lot of... The movie also has an issue with establishing things properly, where I was left kind of confused at multiple points. um, And thinking... The movie was trying to convey one thing, but I ended up interpreting it another way. I don't want to spoil what I'm referring to, but, you know, that's kind of an issue that happens at multiple points. At at one point or another, I thought certain characters were related to each other when they actually weren't. Now, was that a subtitling issue or... No, that's not the subtitles fault. Uh, it's, It's literally... There's one point where I think it's a bit my fault for not paying close enough attention, but like for certain other things, I think it's entirely the movie's fault. Gotcha. Well, that's disappointing to hear because that's yeah. That was probably my most anticipated kaiju thing this year. It, the The opening scene is absolutely fantastic. Like that first look you get at the monster is awesome. But the movie never reaches that height again. Ooh. Even with showing the monster, it never looks at anywhere near as good again. Hmm. Well then. That's disappointing. Yeah. Um like practical effects are cool. They 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 are cool. The animatronic is a bit stiff, but I feel if it if the film was better edited. You know, it could have gotten away with that a lot easier or a lot better. Mm-hmm. But as is, it it just the film doesn't play to the animatronic strengths. You know, gotcha, gotcha. Well, then. it's it's a shame. Yeah, because it. I've been so excited for the lake. Like that's. Hmm. It felt like Thailand was starting to like really come out of its shell 
And I mean, yeah. there's there is other Taiwanese. I I, I heard it. I I heard. Uh, this that there was another film that came out around the same time. No, I've got <laughs> that. It's it's Leo the oh. Horned Lizard. A, in in America was released as the Beast Below. But I've heard a phrase called Taiju. Um, be be thrown out there for because I mean they're not technically kaiju because they're not Japanese. Um, So I've they they use that term and I I really like that term because there is quite a few taiju films out there, Mm -hmm. but the lake seemed like it was the first one to really attempt to be of higher quality. So to hear that it it blunders and uh and does not hold up to that that promise i would say we had is is pretty disappointing yeah no 100 percent. I, I was pretty disappointed i i'd heard like a while back negative things about the film mm-hmm. and even like just before i'd watched it like the day it came out or whatever a couple people had watched it and said yeah, no, this is bad. And I was actually surprised by some of the people who were saying this because usually, you know, they're the type to be really positive about this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And to see them even being negative, it's like, oh, damn. Wow. Okay. I see. But then I'm like, you know, maybe maybe I'm just going to have to be the contrarian here, you know? Right. Um. Yeah, I feel like I know who you're talking about because I when I <laughs> saw them when I saw them complaining, I was like, "Oh, that's not a good sign." But then I was also like, "I mean, I don't usually agree with them anyway, so maybe yeah, they're yeah, wrong." Exactly. <laughs> so maybe maybe for once, like they're negative, but they don't have a reason to be negative. But <laughs> it's starting um, to sound like that hope is very much not true. Yeah. Um... Yeah, no, I, and like I thought, like the first five minutes, I'm like, oh yeah, this is gonna be. I'm I'm gonna be a contrarian on, on this. This this is gonna be good. The the rest of the film would have to completely just stomp all over this scene to be terrible. And, and it, it does. Did. Oh, <laughs> that's disappointing. And then I'm like, oh, 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 and it just gets worse. Oh boy. I mean, the first hour isn't too bad, um, but, like, the last stretch of a movie is just, like, it just, I don't know, it's just not doing enough, I guess. Gotcha. And and too also little. the movie just ends. Oh. And, and it's like, okay. Like a 50s monster movie? No, not really like that. Even it, it, it's it's a weird ending. Okay, I, I won't I won't say what happens, but okay. you know, maybe you I'll like it. it I like I like different attempts at endings, or maybe it'll be awful. Maybe it'll be like whoever thought this was the way to go is an idiot and should go back to school for whatever they went to school for. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm glad but, more of these movies exist and are getting releases. I think it's good that the film has gotten a release. Likewise. I just think, I just wish it was a better film. (laughs) And The Beast Below, or Leo, 
um also got released i actually bought it i just haven't had time to watch it so maybe maybe that one's better but it doesn't look as as promising as the lake does so i feel it like doesn't it doesn't look the the monster doesn't look as convincing but i feel like i've heard a bit better reception maybe it the priest below maybe We'll just have to see, I guess. Maybe yeah. maybe we'll end up covering both of them this year on the podcast. Maybe. We'll so, was that all you've seen? Or, I mean, Kamen Rider alone, like, a series is a lot to, like, tackle. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's all you've been able to tackle, is that yeah. short film and the movie and then the show. Hmm. I, I mean, again, last last time... Last time we talked, I'd finished Kamen Rider and had watched the and rewatched the first. So, <laughs> yeah, Mister, I don't remember our last recording. <laughs> yeah, well, I do know this. I've actually watched the Tokusatsu movie since since mm-hmm. we've last talked, and yeah. I know I have because I just did it the other night, and it was uh, the sequel to Evil Dead Trap, Evil Dead Trap Two Hideki. Oh, bit of um, J-horror. Yeah, I think. Oh. So, I I know you haven't seen Evil Dead Trap, so it's kind of hard to explain without explaining Evil Dead Trap. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, Evil Dead Trap, According to Hideo Nagata, Nakata, uh, it's kind of was point. he Nakata claimed it as one of the like pioneers in in J horror. It was during like the late eighties, so you had the Guinea Pig franchise, Evil Dead Trap, and that kind of bled into the Scary True Story stuff. And, yeah. you know, eventually don't look up in the ring and all that. So Evil Dead Trap is like, to me, it screams late 80s, like, straight to video Japanese J-horror. It's perfect. The way it is set up. Mm-hmm. The movie is decent, pretty good, too. Mm-hmm. But the sequel pulls a Halloween 3. And I don't know if it, it's not like there's no monster. There's no like, it's not really a slasher movie. People do die, but do they really? The film is like an internal struggle story that could be all made up in somebody's head. I don't know. I, I, I'm still having difficulty understanding what happened. Um, what I do know is the film was a lot of people say it's like David Lynch and the horror is more in its subject matter than anything else. So I don't, I don't know if I liked it or I didn't like it. It's, it was, It was, I don't know, it was kind of, I was a little disappointed, but I was also like, okay, cool, I guess. It does Mm. have an early appearance of, uh, what's his name? 
Sono. I think his last name's or it's Sino. Shiro Sino. Oh, Shiro Shiro. It's the guy from um, the Millennium. Millennium Yes, he appears in all of them. Shiro Sano. Shiro Sano. It has an early appearance of him. Oh yeah, which was really cool. Um, I that was probably my favorite part was just seeing a very slender version of him like 10 years before he did Godzilla. Mm-hmm. Um, but beyond that, I plan to start Ultraman 80 again, but I forgot which episode I left off on, so I'm just <laughs> restarting. But yeah. then I hit... I have like car stuff and I work a full-time job and I have a podcast to do and I have a house to clean and I'm working on two short films and a full length movie now and like some YouTube videos. So like, I don't have time. (laughs) Eventually I will. I was, Oh, and I also, I'll, I'll get to it. So eventually I'll get to it, but right now I'm really struggling to find time to watch Tokusatsu. But I did mm-hmm. watch another one called School Live the Movie. It's a live action adaptation of a manga series by the same name about schoolgirls living in a high school when the zombie apocalypse happens. So they live in this school and they have to use everything in the school to survive. Okay. There's a sequel. I own the sequel. I want to watch it. But I haven't had time. I'll just say this. I checked the runtime like three or four times. <laughs> it's That's, hard to find a good zombie movie. That is glowing praise, huh? Yeah. Um, but I feel like there was another movie I watched with like super special humans that are like different than your ordinary like human beings. Not zombies, mm. though. Mm. You see, it, I... I I didn't get to mention it, but I I, I also watched a, a kaiju movie. You, you know? did? Yeah, it's like a it's like a not classic kaiju. It's a bit more modern. Okay. Um, bit Death more Kappa? modern. No, no, nah, nah, we already covered that. Remember? Wait, so you're saying we're covering whatever you watched? No, I'm just saying I'm just saying that we've already talked about Death Kappa. You oh, know? okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. So, so what did you watch? Um, so, are you familiar with the filmography of of Mr. Minoru Kawasaki? Oh yes, he follows me on Twitter. I know all oh. about Minoru Kawasaki. <laughs> cool fact. I know cool that. Fact, yeah, I know his most recent film, uh, Super God Legend, because his Zoka. Hikosa? Hizoka? Hikosa. Uh, just was released by SRS Cinema to Blu-ray. Oh, did uh, that finally like, come out? Yeah, it's it started shipping out. I actually just bought my copy the other day. Um, oh, nice. So I know that just came out. Did you watch that? No, sadly not. I do not have a copy at the moment. Dang. What, uh, what, so you, so it, you said it was Kaiju? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a big oh. monster. I bet you watched Earth Defense Widow. No, sadly not. I have not seen any of the Dennis movies or anything. Mm. 
But I feel like I, I think I did watch a Kawasaki film recently, too, now that you mention it. Oh, yeah? Were there any, like, memorable actors, any wrestlers or anything? I don't know. I feel like it might have been Pussy Soup. <laughs> so, have you ever heard of a film called Kaiju Mono? That's it! That's the yeah. movie I watched! Really, now? Yes! I feel so sorry for the audience that had to listen to all that. Again? Yeah, and, and has to hear this joke of, we're so sorry for them. Again. Again. It's just like a Minoru Kawasaki film. <laughs> well, you see, for me, this is my first one, so... Wait, I really? Yes. You've never watched a Minoru Kawasaki film? Never seen one before. Not even... Hmm? Not even, like, Monster X Strikes Back? I really want to see Monster X Strikes Back, but I have not. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. This is a first. Well, you'll be happy to know that I feel like we'll be covering a few Kawasaki films this month. Oh, boy. That's crazy. It's almost like I knew about that, you know? I, I don't know how. It's not like we have everything planned out. What's a plan? A plan is something you do when you prepare for things. Something that we don't do for these podcasts. No, I don't know what planning is. So, I actually didn't know this was your first Kawasaki film. So this is gonna this is interesting <laughs> because I'm going to talk a lot about this in comparison to his other works. Mm-hmm. Because this film does feel different from your typical Kawasaki film, but we're going to get into that. So interesting. Do you want to? How do you want to? Do you want to talk about like the facts behind this film and like the production, or do you want to talk about the film first? Okay, let's let's, let's talk a bit about production because I I was able to find a little bit, but not a huge amount, you know, on mm-hmm. it. So. I think the first bit of context um, is that something that actually surprised me when I real when I found this out was that this film released a week apart from Shin Godzilla, correct, and was announced at roughly the same po- point in time. So, this film from Minoru Kawasaki is essentially like his take on. Frankenstein vs. Baragon slash War of the Gargantuas, was featuring uh, pro wrestler Kota Ibushi. Japanese yes. pro wrestler, I should say. Um, Real quick, I wanted to touch on something you brought up. You brought up that uh, Kajumono came out a week after Shin Godzilla. It actually mm-hmm. also was shown at international film festivals with Shin Godzilla, like as a double feature. Oh, really? Which was, yeah, Kawasaki was really honored by that. As but, a double feature, did you say? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, damn. Huh. But the reason for all of that was a lot like his other film, The World Sinks Except Japan, which was made to spoof Japan Sinks, the Shinji Higuchi uh, remake from 2006, I believe. Yeah. So this was the same thing, except this was like a corporate King Records, the producers of this film. King mm-hmm. Records requested they do their own Shin Godzilla knockoff mm. spoof. So 
that was kind of interesting. Kawasaki actually said that he would compare this film to like Message from Space or The War in Space. Yeah. Uh to Star Wars, he said that Kaijumono was basically that to Shin Godzilla. Yeah. Except he didn't want to do what Ano and Higuchi did with like the visual effects, partly because he couldn't, partly because he thinks they're better than him in terms of making something amazing. So he just wanted to do something like your old school classic effects, which I think Kawasaki does very well in for his low-budget work that he has done now for decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, no, I thought it was interesting because, I mean, we'll probably get into this a bit more later, but, like, you can... I don't know how how much was would have been known to them about these sorts of elements, but there's sort of, like, there's things that appear in Shin Godzilla that appear in like in this film um that i thought was like huh and then when i looked it up it because that's how i found out that it came out the same um like a week after was that i'm like was did this film come out post shin godzilla or before it i knew because i knew it was 2016 Mm -hmm. um and then i looked it up and i'm like oh a week later but then i'm like so did they already know about like the heavy focus on like the government um, processes or like the scene of like um, people protesting the government taking action against Godzilla. So they know those details beforehand or from the interview that I watched or read from Kawasaki, he knew about the metaphorical uses and the political messages that Higuchi and Ana were using. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to do that, however, Um, Mm -hmm. which is why in the film it's played all for laughs. There's not really I mean, I at first I was like, I wonder if this is Kawasaki's kind of like political take as well. But he made it very clear in the interview that I read that the film is like there is no metaphors like there is it's mono quite literally means thing. So it's Daikaiju Mono giant monster thing like it's it is meant to be a a just a a joke everything about this film is a joke Mm -hmm. you know originally the film was supposed to be titled kochira which kochira ah ah i see but but here's here's an interesting thing kochira is already the name of something um i did some research Kochira is actually the name of a dinosaur that is a mascot for Suzuka Circuit. It's a racing course. It's a little dinosaur. Um, it's kind of like Mc- how McDonald's has uh, the the little characters. It's a mm-hmm. lot like that, except they're dinosaurs from Venus. Now, I don't know if they were going to like do those characters or if they were spoofing those characters, but I mean, Kochira K O H or K O C H I R A Kochira, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it definitely sounds like a Godzilla knockoff. Yeah. By that name. 
Oh, 100%. <laughs> so it was always meant to be a joke, but while they were like planning the film, they found it funnier to say the giant monster thing. Mm-hmm. Um, just to add to the fact that it's like uh, satire, stupid, a parody. Uh, Kawasaki said that all of his titles, the Calamari wrestler, uh, executive koala, Kabuto beetle, the world sinks except Japan. All of that's meant to be a joke. Like those titles yeah. are meant to sound stupid. So, yeah. and in the film, they make clear jokes of like, at least in the dub, they make clear jokes about how the United States will not understand these references. Kind of an, a I think, <laughs> joke to Shin Godzilla's politics as well. I mean, um, I mean, not only that, but like a lot of like, it's kind of well known that a lot of like Japanese comedies, particularly like salaryman comedies, don't really translate well to foreign audiences. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so Probably also referencing that. Yeah. So like the, the this film is very cultural and mm. I think that kind of goes over a lot of people's heads. Like Kaiju Mono sounds like a a title that would be serious, I think. Mm-hmm. But once you understand what tr- Mono translates to it's like, oh. Yeah. Giant monster thing. This is like the mo- as much of a parody as you can get even though I think it's also more than just that but we'll get into that once we dive into uh the story like the actual narrative Mm. so did you did you have any more production stuff you wanted to talk about or did you want to kind of transition here into this movie Uh, let's let's transition into the movie because i couldn't find a huge amount on production um, I just thought that um, whole element of it, it's, re- it's sort of relation to Shin Godzilla, I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. So the film starts off with this like film crew traveling out to this this wilderness, yeah, um, to go to the sacred. Is it the sacred? Uh, it's this like, spot in the woods that's like meant to be very like haunted. A lot of like paranormal activities go on there. Yeah. And there's this old guy that tells them, don't go. Um, if you go, you'll die, especially if you're a virgin. Mm-hmm. Which the film very quickly establishes the jokes that will be made in this film. And oh, it, yeah. Later on, there is. It's it's a very sexually charged film when it comes to the jokes. Um, From what I understand, a few of Kawasaki's films are like that. I mean, Earth Defense (laughs) Defense Widow. Widow. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, they they venture off. They ignore what, what the old guy has to say. There's a GMK reference with... One of the kids kicking a statue. Kicking a statue. Mm-hmm. And this film also Heading has how this a... movie is inspired by Frankenstein vs. Baragon. <laughs> Elaborate a bit on that one. Uh, I mean, like with that reference to GMK, you know, 
Baragon was one of the guardian monsters. Yeah, the okay. Here you could kind of compare to Hideo Amamoto's character. Yes, yes. Um, at I least get, in this beginning bit. I get what you're putting down now. Yeah. <laughs> and so they travel, and then, you know, there's a, a horror movie joke of, like, the two are alone. One of them is apparently not a virgin. The other one is. And they want to change that. But before they can do anything, the earth starts shaking. And we have our first glimpse at Mono. Mm. The kaiju that is the main problem of the film. Who then yeah. eats the girl because she lied about not being a virgin. And then she eats the rest of the the crew. Now, right away, I felt the new gen Ultraman influences with how Mono was shot initially because it's backlight um, in a very ah. dark, very dark, darkly lit uh, scenery with the eyes lit up, which reminds me of like Blazer's uh, teaser where it's got the smoke and the blue or like kind of the blue LED light in the back with Blazer yeah. like posing in front of it. I didn't think of that, but actually, yeah, you are you are right. Because even in even outside of teasers, they do sort of similar things with um, like Ultraman Z's final kaiju, um, Destrodos has like a sort of like a reveal of it being shot by backlighting, and there's a couple other monsters. Like I think Breeze's final form. I feel like in others. Mega Monster Battle. Galaxy, there was also a shot because you used it for the kaiju conversation rap. Where um, there was some backlighting on a kaiju. I feel that might have been the Ultraman Z kaiju I was talking about. Gotcha. <laughs> I know, I mean, if we want to dive into it, Kawakita did that a lot with... Yeah, with uh, Heisei Godzilla. Mm -hmm. um, Specifically... Mecha Godzilla. Yes, yep. So, you know, it's it's not anything new to the kaiju genre, this idea of backlighting. It's just the colors and whatnot just scream new gen Ultraman to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, hey, I always appreciate a bit of neat backlighting. <laughs> I mean, it, it can look really good when done uh, right. Granted, yeah. I feel like it's this film does nothing too spectacular in the effects field. Um, no, I'd agree. I... The cinematography in general, which I'll probably get into a bit more later, but it's it works. It's just not horribly impressive, I'd say. Right. And I think specifically with the kaiju scenes, part of that, too, was they had two days to film it. Kawasaki was able to rent out Toei Studios, one of their lots, and they only had two days to shoot all the kaiju footage. So kind of whatever they had is what they got. There was no, mm. like, redos, I imagine. I'm sure there was a little bit, but not a whole lot. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but following on from that, after they die, we get it. We have a title sequence giving us a little preview of what's to come, backed by a soundtrack, a, a main theme for Mono that sounds... To me, it sounded very similar. It was reminiscent of the original Mechagodzilla theme. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of there's a lot of moments in this film where I feel like there is like there's obviously a Rocky 
uh, influence yeah, yeah. track. <laughs> um, I was going to mention that. That one, I was like, hold up. This is literally just the Rocky theme, but like with a couple extra beats. The the jazz definitely feels like Showa Mechagodzilla. Um, mm. So I, I definitely caught that as well. There was, Again, like this film feels almost, and this is what I was alluding to, the film feels almost like references slash cameos the movie Mm -hmm. because that's all this film is and it's very blatant it doesn't hide it's it's like it's obvious kawasaki is a huge fan of this stuff yeah and this is his michael doherty movie this is where he just whatever he can he flashes Mm -hmm. oh definitely i mean even one of the characters at first I don't think they, I don't know if they are meant to be a reference to this, but like, I honestly thought one of the characters was like a female prisoner scorpion reference. <laughs> well, one of the actors in this film was from the prisoner scorpion movies. Yeah, I I have no clue who he played in. I know he was in two of them and he played the mm-hmm. same character. I just don't remember his character at all. Yeah. Um, and we'll, We'll going get to in- assume he's probably a random police officer. Yeah. We'll get into <laughs> all of the cast, because I, I went and I did the research on all the tokusatsu they were in. So I have yeah. like two pages of just casts and what they were in. So we'll yeah. talk about those a little later on. So from- oh, we've got a couple of veterans here. <laughs> we do. So from here, we're introduced, after the title sequence, we're introduced to our main characters. Mm. Uh in what appears to be a green screen. Mm. So, um, real quick, they're looking at a flower. There's a flower that's blooming that they're looking at. It's a reference to an Ultra Q, the Ultra Q episode. Um, Yeah. It's even got a similar name. mm -hmm. But while I, I couldn't help but notice while they're like in the woods and this is the same spot where the teenagers that were filming disappeared while they're, like interacting it looks weird and there's some shots where it's like okay they look like they're in the woods yes but then there's other shots where it's like it looks like this was reshoots like they needed Mm. to do this on a green screen soundstage there's even moments like uh because the the old guy that warned the other teenagers he appears yeah we find out that he actually is a friend of the female's father they're both scientists enduring their uh, exchange in dialogue it cuts back and forth sometimes they're both in sc- on on the screen and it doesn't look it looks like they're standing in front of a green screen to me i don't know but it was driving me nuts mm, i don't know i i i didn't think it looked like green screen but what i noticed was i felt that the the video just looked too sharp in this scene. Mm-hmm. Like the, the the sharpness, the, yeah, the sharpness was just turned all the way up, or not mm-hmm. all the way up, but like noticeably up, where like things were just too, for lack of a better word, detailed. Mm-hmm. It's not quite what I mean, but like if you've seen the scene, you kind of know. <laughs> right? Yeah. It. it- it looks very digitized. It almost yeah. like it looks like they're recording with a high end 
not industry standard camera, but a like high end commercial camera. Yeah, I've and and with like a little bit of like it also looks like there's a bit of like almost like a post processing adjustment to heighten that sharpness as right. well. It's either it's either saturation or contrast. I don't know which yeah. one, but it it cre- it makes the colors pop more. I mean, it could be a bit of both. As it well. could be both. Saturation makes it more true to the hue. So like the truest form of that color, whereas mm-hmm. contrast makes it look more dynamic. So mm-hmm. it might be a little bit of both. I mean, sharpness is also its own separate thing. And I think the sharp, the sharpness here is what makes it stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, maybe, maybe there's also a green screen issue. Maybe not. I, I just, if it felt too flat, yeah. the, the framing of the characters felt too flat to me. Hmm. You could be right, honestly. It's hard to say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we're introduced to these two characters, and they are—they're warned about um, Mono by by Professor Izumi, and but they eventually find an a small rock-like object that is later to re- later revealed to be an egg. Correct. But as that happens, a natural disaster. ah, English as it happened there's a natural disaster and the military starts to appear as they go back to their lab (laughs) and then we're then we're uh, introduced to the best character in the movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah you're not wrong he's certainly the most memorable Mm mm-hmm so, <laughs> uh, we forgot to establish like the the footage, the report footage at the beginning where the teenagers of the, are of like the drawing. natural disasters. Or? Yes, and well, like how the, every news report channel is like reporting on something, and one of them's reporting on a scientist who is yeah. conducting research, but basically everybody calls him a fake and that he's a failure, kind of like uh, yeah. Doctor Mafone. Dr. Except, yeah, exactly. Except unlike Dr. Mafone, he decides to basically become Sailor Moon. Yeah, instead of instead of teaming up with aliens, he just uh cosplays um he just cosplays Sailor Moon characters. <laughs> so if you haven't Rex, since you haven't watched any Minoru Kawasaki, I, I can say this to you as well. If you haven't watched any of his films, he goes for the absurd stuff that's like yeah, I, I I realized that as soon as this happened, I was like, I like, I I, I was not expecting that. <laughs> so, to me, and the, I'm not trying to like complain about Kawasaki because I love Minoru Kawasaki films, but Kawasaki picks the like obvious insane idea. So like, mm-hmm. I don't know if we were doing this podcast. In a Kawasaki film, we would, like, if this was a kaiju movie, we would be like, yeah, just like all the Toho kaiju movies, we have a giant monster appearing. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's those ideas that's like, okay, it's Zilla Foot. Basically, the comedy in Zilla Foot is what Kawasaki does, but it's all one director, so it's not a mess of a vision. It's like one cohesive in air quotes i feel like 
it it's the it's not the most cohesive, but mm-hmm. you get what like the vision's there. It's yeah. the same vision. Yeah, it's clearly one director. <laughs> so we're introduced to what was his name, Professor uh, Jotaro. Yes, which. So I'm just gonna say this. I don't make fun of me. When I hear Jotaro, I think of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Yes, yes so do I. Okay. <laughs> like, don't worry, it, that's exactly what I thought. Okay, I just, I just wanted to say that. I was like, yeah, but here's the thing. I've actually seen, I've actually seen the JoJo's where he, where Jotaro is the main protagonist. Is there any <laughs> reference here, or is it just a? coincidence i'm pretty sure it's just because his name is his first name is jotaro okay but yeah so we're introduced to him and it's very obvious (laughs) his daughter one of the main characters is kind of i feel like the audience is like oh god yeah (laughs) bro she's so disappointed in her father there no there was a line so I'm just going to say this now. I didn't laugh at 90% of this movie. To me, the the, the, yeah. the jokes made are not funny. Except in this scene, there is a line. I don't know if it's different in the, in the English subtitles, but in the English dub, she says, now I understand why mom left. <laughs> oh my God. I wish I said that in, in the version I watched. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> the the dumb actress she like says it in like this disappointed like it, this was a perfectly delivered line <laughs> but it's like oh my god that's perfect that comedy is perfect like it's a cheap laugh but now I know why mom left is just perfect <laughs> <laughs> My God, I wish they, I wish they had that joke in, <laughs> in the subtitled version, bro. <laughs> it was great, like that. That was probably that is the best joke you this movie will give you, guarantee it. Mm. The rest is pretty cheap stuff, like sex jokes or fart jokes or like yeah, or or the old man is dressed as as Sailor Moon, you yeah. know, or. Which, Other... to be fair, I, 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 that was probably the one bit I laughed at because I was not expecting it. And, you know, I always appreciate shock value humor. Right. <laughs> no, and I feel like Kawasaki films especially, they when, – when people talk about Japanese films, they like to say the crazy – like when I think crazy Japanese movies, I think of Yakuza Weapon. Uh, Not Kawasaki, but Yakuza Weapon, oh. Takasaguchi, um, during in that film, it, it gets crazy. Like, there's a moment where, like, he flies up in the air because his machine gun arm, like, blasts him off of the space, and it's machine crazy. Machine gun arm? Yeah, Yakuza Weapon's a crazy movie. Huh. But Kawasaki... Last time I saw a movie with, some, with someone with a machine gun arm was the goddamn Tokyo Gore place. <laughs> oh, last one I saw was uh, the two Machine Girl movies. That's like a common occurrence for some reason. Hmm. Yeah, you're kind of right actually now, I think. Yeah, yeah. But Kawasaki does that as well. Um, All of his movies just are crazy. 
and like some there's i think it's for the executive koala dvd they say in the description this is a movie that only japan would make like nobody else in the world would think to do this movie yeah and kawasaki is like a genius in that regards like his films are undoubtedly japanese and i think mm-hmm. like the cross-dressing professors is one of them <laughs> yeah so we're introduced to we're not introduced to but the the main plot macguffin of this film is explained a little bit more there's a lot of exposition throughout this movie yeah there never really is an end to it mm-hmm. they even make that the butt of a joke later on is at least in the dub they say and now for the part that we haven't touched on yet uh and it's one of the military guys they say we need to talk about the plot part we haven't discussed yet Hmm. so at least the dub makes it more of like one of those like wink at the camera films which i know it's not they they do have a couple there is a couple moments sort of like that um I don't remember the exact jokes, but it's not. I don't recall any specifically on the exposition, gotcha. at least not in the sub version. Gotcha. But there are sort of similar style jokes that happen later on, particularly with the military guys. Mm-hmm. So, from here, you know, we 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 explore the. Is it? It's not specimen X. It's. Uh, Set setup setup X setup X yes yeah setup X so so this is a Captain America type like steroid that if yeah. you inject into somebody their cells will grow and like it, it's meant to like defeat cancer and I think this end world hunger and all that yeah the next stage in human evolution mm-hmm. <laughs> that talk that type deal right so. Mono appears while we discover Setup X. The military is trying to fight Mono, which, by the way, I said this in the Death Kappa episode, but Mono looks like uh, the creature from Death Kappa. What, Hungulus? Yes. Am I I crazy? I I definitely thought of Death Kappa when I watched this film. It, It does... Mono has that sort of ultra kaiju look, but it's not quite the same style as Hungulus. Hungulus looks more like, well, not quite a natural creature, but like a living organism. Where Mono, Mono, I feel, is looks like it's designed not specifically to look like a real creature. It almost, I feel like it's designed to sort of look theatrical, I guess you could say. Like something you would see if, like, you were to have a kaiju in a wrestling match in, like, a wrestling ring, you would see that in a wrestling ring. Which, ironically, they did sometime after the movie came out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Mono appears... The military tries to fight it. I, during this sequence, by the way, some of the sets look really good. 
um, <laughs> with how Some everything shines. Also looks good as well for like Mono. Now this goes away. Like when Mono's by itself, at the beginning it looks really good, in mm. my opinion. But as the film progresses, the effects slowly degrade. Like they look yeah. worse and worse. And I wasn't a fan of that. And I'm not sure what happened or why the camera work got worse with the kaiju fights. Hmm. I mean, perhaps some of these early mono, um, this is speculation, but perhaps some of these early sequences with mono weren't shot on the Toei stage and the other, and you know, the city scenes that occur later on were perhaps. Hmm. Perhaps. Though I, I don't know, I don't think there's anything that could back that up, but perhaps. Yeah, I, I don't know. That That is pure speculation on my end. Gotcha. So while they're fighting Mono, we're introduced to the cabinet, I'm guess, I guess it would be the, the Japanese cabinet. Yeah. yeah. With some more cameos by some people. Mm. Um, by this point, we've had about half a dozen cameos in the movie. Yeah, for... even Jotaro, the scientist Jotaro is um, Ultraman Leia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought I'd look like Terry Nakano. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we see a lot of, of Japanese tokusatsu actors, which, like I yes. said, I'll get into a little later. Um, but we see Ben Fru- Furuya. He yep. appears, and he's wearing an old. He's wearing an Ultraman pin. He is. There's <laughs> like, like I mentioned, there's a ton of references throughout this movie, um, which is both a really nice thing to see, and also, at least for me, kind of like a oh boy, here we go. Yeah, it it feels like it's sort of relying on that a little at at points. I agree, but I want to talk about that later because that that's something I have a lot to say about. So. Mm-hmm. While they're doing this, uh, like trying to fight Mono, Jotaro, or not, not wait, yeah, it's Jotaro, right? Yeah, Dr. walks Saito, in. Whatever. The old guy that was in the forest. Which one oh, is he? Oh no, that's um, Izumo. Izumo. Izumo walks in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in the dub, they say, "Are you're not supposed to be in here?" And he says, "I know, but I have to be here to." give exposition i think that's the line <laughs> the dub is very much more self-aware than the subs i guarantee that mm. now in the subs he just they're like you're not supposed to be here and he's like precisely or something like that gotcha so, so similar you know similar but not as as you said S- self-aware yeah so he basically is like, you need to go to Jotaro and get set up X because that's the only thing that can fight Mono. And then there's some ancient writings about how a Titan, which I'm going to guess is an Attack on Titan reference, uh, was the only thing to beat Mono. Mm. You're a little quiet when I said Titan. Maybe it's different in the subs, but in the dub, they say Titan a lot. They call... The giant man of Titan. I feel like they just called him a hero in in the subs that I watched. So maybe the dub was maybe the dub was referencing Attack on Titan. Then, I mean, it 
I mean, the word Titan doesn't necessarily mean that it's a reference. But a giant humanoid after the Higuchi films Mm. in a film that's poking fun at kaiju. I feel like, I I don't know. I feel like that would be something they they would include. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, the whole thing with it being a giant... The giant man is more inspired by, you know, Frankenstein versus Baragon. Right. So speaking of Frankenstein versus Baragon, the military quickly goes to Jotaro. That's right. And they're like, you have to beat my assistant. And he makes two jokes. For context, he has to beat his assistant in like a a joke competition. (laughs) I guess. Whoever's funnier, if the military guy's funnier, he'll he'll join. He'll help the military. If if not, then he'll just refuse. So the first reference is the military guy pretends to be the Igor character from Frankenstein versus Baragon. Yeah. Now the second one, I don't. What was it referencing? I didn't pick up which one it was, which kaiju. Um, it wasn't a kaiju film. Um, it wasn't a kaiju film. It was um, Tokyo Trial. Okay. Which is, I believe, a drama of some sorts. Because I know in the dub, they're like, this is a reference that every kaiju fan will, in the dub, they say this is a reference every kaiju fan will will understand and i was like i don't is that supposed to be a joke that i don't i don't know i didn't know Mm. and then the assistant makes some really stupid like fart jokes i'm pretty sure if i remember correctly yeah it's not a i don't think it's a fart joke but it's something to that sort of effect it was like it like it was a joke that the crickets were chirping. That's that was how bad the joke was. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So Jotaro says, Fine, you win. I'll help. They then he says that there's one requirement. They need something made out of cloth. Yeah. And then they show up at the... This film doesn't really do a lot of exposition on how things happen. Mm-hmm. They just do it. Yeah. So what's jo- important is, what happen- is yeah. what's happening. Yeah. So Jotaro and his daughter and the assistant go to where Mono's at. Mm-hmm. While also being tailed by Scorpio, not Scorpion. In the dub, it's Scorpion. Hmm. Which... A reference to Prisoner Scorpion? Maybe? In the sub, she's called, in the scub, they call her Scorpio, so I'm like, maybe it's a reference, maybe it's not. But she... Like, I'm honestly not sure. The actress is also a wrestler, so it's... Yeah. And in this, throughout the film, there's a ton of cameos in the dub. They make it very clear to say, like, people won't recognize me. But I'm, and they're like, a comedian, an author, a porn director. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of cameos throughout this movie that kaiju fans won't get. Mm-hmm. And they make that a joke. But in this case, the villain 
of the movie? Mm-hmm. Would she count as the villain? Um, this movie, really this movie doesn't really have a villain. Well, it it has an antagonist in Mona. Correct. But there is this. There's kind of this subplot with Scorpio, and like some like foreign, like foreign spy agencies or something. Kind of a James Bondish, yeah. Uh, organization that's having her follow them for some reason. We believe it's for setup X, but we find out later it's not. So. Yeah. Jotaro and and company go to where Mono is. They give the assistant uh, setup X. He grows to the size of Mono and becomes a wrestler who mm-hmm. uh, at the time was very popular. And fun fact, yeah. be, uh, during the wrestler's time in the ring, he got injured. And because of that injury, production got delayed. Yeah. By almost a year. So maybe that's how they got the Shin Godzilla details was because planning Mm. started in 2015 around the time Shin was announced, but they didn't start filming everything until like, well, I'm sure they started filming on other things, but a lot of the film wasn't really done until later uh, in 20, like early 2016, late 2015. Mm. So perhaps by that time they had been able to get a hold of some of the details on Shin so they could spoof it. Kawasaki is is well known in the Japanese film industry, so I'm sure he had contacts to like help him Mm. develop a perfect spoof for Shin Godzilla. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's possible, honestly. So the assistant grows and then a wrestling match quite literally a wrestling match occurs yeah they have announcers show up randomly and just start you know and that's a left upper cup and the right upper upper cupped oh and look at that body slam mono is down for the count Mm. (laughs) so like all that happens mono does lose but doesn't die mono escapes yeah. Uh, just like Ultraman, and it's a clear reference to Ultraman, yeah. the assistant only has three minutes, essentially, to, once he's been yeah. given setup X, to defeat the enemy, and then he shrinks back down to human size. Yeah. Um. Also, did we forgot to mention that this was all involuntary. He was kind of forced to do this because he's in love with the professor's daughter, but it's like a love plot that is not important so it doesn't really go far i mean yeah it's kind of just there their re- gags the relationship's important but the love aspect isn't yeah and i want to make that clear the relationship's important but the love aspect is not they yeah. could just be friends and it'd still be the same movie mm-hmm. so you know, with the defeat of Mono, he becomes very popular. Everybody's interviewing him. He's this hunky man, so every female in Japan's like, "Ooh, you're so hot!" <laughs> and then we get 
kind of this side side tangent of where he kind of goes on this selfish like seeing every woman possible and taking his shirt off whenever and and all this mm. and he kind of loses his it, it it becomes kind of a stereotypical like hero story he loses sight of what he needs to be focusing on doesn't work out and gets i guess out of shape um, um just he kind of just loses all humility mhm so however during this uh there's a lot more sex jokes because i mean he's being flirty and whatever um which are not funny the sex jokes are not funny they weren't funny from the beginning this movie is the most unfunny movie I've watched in a while. Mm. Every once, like, there's, like, maybe two, two or maybe three jokes in this movie that are funny. The rest mm. of these jokes are not funny. Yeah. Maybe if I was in middle school, but I'm not in middle school. And even when I was in middle school, I didn't think they were funny. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Comedy movies just usually don't do a lot for me, so I'm not terribly surprised that I wasn't laughing very much. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, no, I'd agree that most of the jokes are not particularly good. Yeah. <laughs> so, from here, Mono appears again. Um... He has lost all humility. He doesn't know, like, he, 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 he's a dork. And he goes, like, he's confident about beating Mono. Gets set up X injected, grows to the giant size, fights Mono. Mono absolutely beats his butt. Yeah. And it does go into kind of an interesting concept, I will say. And that is, you know, once... It's like the idea if God bleeds, then what happens to the believers? Because God bleeds, like God's not immortal. That kind of happens here a bit. It's a joke, but you see your main character, the assistant, go from being the coolest cat on the street to when he loses, everybody's like, who who needs him? Like, screw that guy. There's even it's a joke, but um, a sexual assault charge against him and other yeah. women. Um, yeah. It's in like Kawasaki has said, like this film is meant to be a joke, but that I, I, I found it really interesting that he included that because of the yeah. fact that that does happen when. Yeah, I felt like that was. That I felt maybe not targeted at a specific person, but like I feel like that there look a joke like that exists because things like that happen in real life. So no matter what, there's a bit of a point to it, right? Even if it's meant, even if this film is entirely a parody, you know, right? And also throughout this film, there are. I, 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 
I kind of feel like they're jokes like, towards Twitter users. Um, mm-hmm. When the paparazzi's following your main character, one of the reporters, she's, she asks, is it true about the sexual assault charges? And he pushes her away because he's not having it. And she says, mm-hmm. he touched my breasts. Mm-hmm. And like, they start chasing him and like all that. Yeah. I mean, and, that's like, probably not specifically um, pointed to Twitter users specifically, but sort of just like. It's like the people that take everything extreme, way. Yeah. Ex- extreme reporter type people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or like just the people, people that take everything and like the gossip news, like all the gossip magazines. Yeah. And all that type deal. Yeah. So like stuff like that's like, I feel like you can't, you can't say that this is just a joke. Like there's gotta be a little bit of. A little bit of a point there. Right. Like maybe it's just simply the point of this stuff is so stupid. Why does this happen? Yeah. In, in real life and people legitimately mean it. Like maybe. And I, I feel like Kawasaki does that a lot is like some of this stuff is so so outrageous, but so true at the same time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, I mean, maybe... that's why sat- satires exist in the first place. Right. <laughs> so, you know, maybe maybe it's just Kawasaki's thing to, like, point out the insanity that the human race has. I don't I don't know. Mm-hmm. Clearly, it's not something he's losing losing sleep over. Yeah. So following this, uh Scorpion in the dub, she finds our main character and is flirting with him to get him to go with her. And they're wanting to get hot in this hotel room. Yeah, a love hotel specifically. Yeah. But before that, he has to shower. Because I guess essentially he's been. She told him to. Yeah, she told him to because he's basically been homeless and on the streets for, I don't know if it's days, weeks, months, years. I don't know. They don't really. Time is non-existent in the movie. What's a time? It just happens. We know some stuff is at day and some of it's at night, mm-hmm. and it just happens. But the point is, she's here to. She just steals. Steals some of his stuff and puts it in a briefcase. A briefcase. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See what I did there? Jesus. Yes, yes. Yes. So she leaves. The military is on to her. They, they're following her. He, she goes to this hideout where this, the uh, foreign power is hiding, waiting for her to deliver the goods we find out what she's been carrying in this briefcase is what the case is made for. Briefs. <laughs> we find out because the military uh, stops them before anything really happens. We find out, well, not after a little shootout, it's a little fight between Scorpion and the military. Mm. We find out that they're just... Wait, I'm I'm totally getting this wrong. I'm totally <laughs> so the military finds Scorpion when she's trying to go to the foreign power. Yeah, tries to stop her. Them. Mm-hmm. 
And they're like, you're not going to steal setup X. And she's like, what are you talking about? I just want his briefs because and here's the American fat joke. Americans yeah. who sit on their Americans butts. Americans are fat. Yeah. And, and if we have if us, the foreign people need this technology to, to make briefs that will fit any size possible. So it, again, a cheap joke. I'm like, oh, that's pretty clever. But I didn't laugh. I was just like pretty clever. Yeah, I I feel like it's a joke that could work. Like a lot of these jokes here, I feel could work. They just fall flat the way they're delivered. And maybe that's maybe that's the fault of the subtitles. Maybe that's the fault of the performances. I personally think it's. Both. I think it's an oversaturation of jokes. Possibly that too. Just an oversaturation of jokes and the just ridiculous comments. Mm, perhaps. So she escapes the military, goes to the international uh, powers. They try to yeah. do the deal. They try to screw her over. She ends up escaping without the briefs, but then she has the briefs later on. Not sure why or how. Hmm. She uses them to escape, but then she has them. Anyway, she gets out. We find out that the professor has been working on Setup X to see how to make it better to defeat Mono. Because he yeah. he is relapsed. He was on top of the earth when when our main character defeated Mono. When he lost to Mono, Jotaro basically went back to his old ways of dressing as Sailor Moon yeah but he's been trying to figure out how to perfect setup X. Yeah. Meanwhile, Izumo seeks to train, um, train, um, our hero. I just, which leads to our Rocky montage, our Rocky montage and him learning how to slice and stop a waterfall, which I know in, in the dub, they say it's in a lot of kung fu movies, but I want to say I've seen that in another movie. Or it was in Dragon Ball. I don't remember if it was in Dragon Ball, <laughs> but I know I have seen something where they stop the water. Mm. I just don't remember what it is. Mm. I'm not sure. I've, I haven't seen enough um, Hong Kong kung fu action movies, personally. And my experience with Dragon Balls was Dragon Ball was a long time ago. So, but yeah, he learn he learns a new ability, the Cascade Slice, which I feel is probably a reference to the wrestler uh, Kota Ibushi, because um, a couple of, a couple of the moves he does earlier in the film are some of his signature moves. So I'm sure that's probably another one of his signature moves or maybe the other wrestler in the film. Um, but yeah, essentially Mono reappears as, as we get like a joke about, you know, Hollywood CG versus Tokusatsu effects. Um, and then he, he eats the guy who said that Hollywood effects are better. Good on Mono. Yeah. And uh, the reporter dies. Hmm? No, go ahead. I was just going to say the reporter dies too. And then Mono, who had also, um, we forgot to mention earlier during her second fight that she retrieved her egg. Yes. Um, 
we found which has out been growing over the course of the film. We found out that it was an egg, and we de- they deemed it necessary to give her back the egg that might stop her from rampaging. Her down, and it did not. Yeah. So from here, uh, Scorpion finds the scientist's daughter, and they're having like a heart to heart. No development, by the way. Like, there's nothing to yeah. make this happen. Like, it just happens. They they just encounter each other, and yeah. The movie is cut down like Godzilla vs. Kong. <laughs> Except, unlike Godzilla vs. Kong, this film is not trying to take itself seriously. Well, <laughs> uh, does Godzilla vs. Really Kong even take itself it. seriously? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Maybe a tiny bit. Maybe. Not really. It's a joke. Adam Wingard's mm. a joke. It's all a joke. <laughs> mm. And there's the Godzilla vs. Kong uh, bashing for the episode. Yes, we can't go a day without it. See, we're just like one big Kawasaki movie. We have the same jokes in every movie. Damn. That's depressing. <laughs> so... They have a heart-to-heart. She gives... Scorpio gives her the briefs that magically appeared again. Mm. Uh, Our main character learns how to stop a waterfall Mm. in, like, two hours a day? Again, time doesn't exist. Indiscriminate amount of time. Yeah. So, our... the, The professor says, you have learned very well... You are ready to fight, so he goes, he apologizes for his absence and is ready to fight. Uh, Professor's daughter appears and gives him his briefs. The professor has perfected the setup X formula to defeat, well, not yet. Yeah. Well, I guess... first First he fights the monster with the original setup X, um... So he's looks he's played by Koda Ibuki still. And he you know, fails. I mean he puts up a good fight, but he does fail. Mm. But he's ready to go again, and Jotaro's like, I have something better, gives him setup X 2.0. Yeah, with like an evil gene. Yeah. <laughs> and then he becomes another Minoru Suzuki. Another sports star. Yeah. Who annihilates Mono, like is beating Mono up. And I want to say like succeeds and then returns back to. Trying to remember, doesn't he revert back to the other wrestler? Yeah, he he reverts back to Ibuki. Because Um, that's worn off after the Mono has been beat down pretty well. Yeah. And then, out of the blue, one of our side scientists that have been working with the Japanese cabinet discovers something and appears at the battlefield to tell Jotaro uh, that he has something to say, but he's not the one that's going to say it. And then we Mm -hmm. get probably my favorite cameo in this entire (laughs) movie. Yeah. And 
It is none other than Ultraman actor. Do you want to say his name? I'll butcher it. Say his name, E.T. Say his name, Elijah. Sendayu Dokumamushi? Did I say it right? Honestly, not too bad. Okay. I probably, that's probably about as good as I could say it, so. So, for those who don't know who that is, Rex, do you want to tell them who that is? Well, if any of you have ever seen Ultraman, you may remember a pretty gun-ho member of the the SSSP named Arashi. He was played by Sandyu, and Sandyu also reappeared in Ultra 7 as Furuhashi, reappeared again as Furuhashi in Heisei Ultra 7, and he's also been in a couple, one or two other tokusatsu features, such as Mikadroid. Yes, he was but us. He is. Hmm? Go ahead. But he is also a. Since 1969, he has also been a radio show host for a show that's still going on to the modern day, and it's sort of like an it's sort of like an adult appealing radio show. And there's even a joke about that earlier in the film, yeah. Because Mono uh, has electromagnetic pulses that like mess up anything electrical around it, and so the only th- thing that the military can get on their radios is his radio show. <laughs> yeah. Um. I also wanted to bring out that he was in Ultraman's Earth One and Two, the Ultra Q movie. Oh, he was, mm-hmm. wasn't he? And Ultraman Max. Oh, is he in Max? Mm-hmm. Oh, and, nice. And he was in Ultra Zone. Because mm. I know, I remember Zerf. I haven't seen the second one, but I remember in the first Zerf movie, they get cameos from pretty much the entire SSP. They might not have had Muramatsu, but I think Akiji Kobayashi might not have been alive at that point in time. I can't remember. Yeah. So, Sendayu appears. He just appears. He gets yeah, out. They just get him. <laughs> and and he plays himself, by the way. He's not a special character. It's just yeah. him. It's just him. Yeah, and, he's playing the real person. And he tells our main character she's like 70 years old if she was a human. So she's an old yeah. lady. We can't beat up old ladies. And so they stop beating up Mono. Mono disappears. And is it Fruya that's... They give back her egg. Hmm? Yeah, they do. They give back her egg. They do, yep. And then isn't it Fruya that says Sendayu uh, is... Sandayu Doka... Hang on. I need to say it correctly. Sandayu Dokumama... Sandayu Dokumamushi... We thank you for saving all of humanity. No, isn't there a line too that he's like the greatest Shoah actor? There's a line that's something like that. Maybe they said that. And I know in the dub they do. I'm like, you know what? That line alone makes it like an amazing film. This is the one thing that makes the film worth it. <laughs> And from there, uh, our main character reverts back to his normal self, 
There is another penis joke. Um, I should say one of the things that the ladies really like about him when he's in his first wrestler form is how proportionately accurate he is. And uh, that joke is made once again uh, at the end of the film, but as his regular self. Mm-hmm. And from there, everybody's happy and uh, the movie ends. And then there's a little tease at the end with the egg glowing. Yes. The egg glows and maybe it insinuates that Mona would come back, but it does. I'm pretty sure in the uh, narration, they also say Mona may come back if things like the amount of virgins in Japan, like gets disproportionate again. What? I'm pretty sure that's what it says in the English dub, man. Look. They did not say that in the subs. I'm pretty (laughs) sure that's what they said. So, this movie, I I, I put in my notes, parody the movie. It just feels like it's a parody. Like, Death Kappa's a parody, but I feel like Kaiju Mono is the ultimate parody. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is also really weird because Kaiju Mono is the best produced Kawasaki film. Um, it looks, it certainly has the biggest budget out of all of his films. Mm-hmm. And it's got a stacked cast. Yeah. Um, as mentioned, Ben Furia's in it. He is most famous for doing uh, Ultraman, the suit, uh, the suit actor for yeah. Ultraman, and the motion capture for Shin Ultraman. So there's your connection that yeah. Mono. He's also a side character in Ultra 7. Has appeared in various other stuff like Gorath and even Kawasaki's previous film Monster X Strikes Back. He also appeared in Earth Defense Widow, I read. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Huh. And he appeared in Frankenstein vs. Baragon in War of the Gargantuas. Yeah. So. But yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, he, he's appeared in a ton of, a ton of kaiju movies. So uh, did his. Uh, counterpart with him in the military room uh ichi kikuchi kikuchi who played ultra seven um wasn't he ultraman jack yes he played ultra seven and ultraman jack i read oh he also played ultra seven huh um he was also in ambassador magma aka space giants the first color tokusatsu show Fight Mighty Jack. He appeared in Ultraman Ace Taro uh, in 80. He also appeared in Dynamebius Nexus. And when it comes to uh, Kawasaki, he also appeared in Executive Koala and Monster X Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. What other names? Uh, Shinzo Hota, who appeared in... Yeah. Uh, the original Common Scorpion. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, is he in Common Rider as well? Yeah, he was in the original Common Rider. He was in Message oh, yeah. from Space and the TV show. We had Ryu Manutsu, who mm. he was in Mega Monster Battle Galaxy, uh, Ultraman Saga, Outer Man. That was a Kawasaki Ultraman spoof. Ultraman Leo, Ultraman Max, Ultraman Mebius. Uh, Yoshiku Saijo, 
who was in Ultraman, Secret of the Talesian, Ultra Q, Son of Godzilla, Destroy All Monsters, Ultra Q the movie, Heisei Ultra 7, Ultra 7 Showa, Ultraman's Earth 2, Ultraman Cosmos, First Contact, Ultraman Max, and Superior 8 Ultra Brothers. A lot of Ultraman mm. cameos in this. Um, yeah. Another military person, as mentioned, was Masami Hirochi, who was in Ultraman 80, Ultra Q the movie, Ultraman Tiga, Dinah, Gaia, Ultra Q Dark Fantasy, Nexus, Max, Mebius the movie, Ultra 7X, mm-hmm. Neo Ultra Q, um, Ultraman Decker, and Shin Ultraman. They've also appeared oh, wow. in uh, Kawasaki films such as Monster Seafood Wars, Earth Defense Widow, uh, Kabuto. Which actresses was this again, sorry? Uh, Masami Horiuchi? One of the military personnel. Um, speaking of Nexus actors, um, there was one, I forget his name, but he was... I forget his uh, name. Ryuki Kita, Kitaoka? They were in Nexus in Final Wars. Yeah, prob- Yeah, I think it's Ryuki Kitaoka. He's in Nexus in Final Wars, yeah. And Death Kappa. Yep, and Death Kappa, Outer Man as well. Um, he was in a Garo uh, movie, um, Ultra 7X. He was in Rigo as well. Um, mm. You had Sayaka Higawa, who was in Ultraman 80, uh, Dynaman, Flashman, the Sentai shows in the movies, Ultraman Zero, Revenge of Belial, Hiroshi Watori, who was in a ton of the... Uh, Metal Hero series, Gavin, uh, Just Beyond, Spielbahn, Matilder, and a ton of others. Matilder. <laughs> right? Metal, Matilder? Metalder? Metalder. Metalder? That's how I said it. Ah. There's also another Death Kappa actor, uh, Mitsuko Hoshi, who is in, like I said, De- uh, Death Kappa. They were also in Iron King, Ultraman Ace, Taro, the Mebius movie, the Mebius show, Superior Ultra Eight Brothers. Um, ah, is that um, the female host of Ace? Yes. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, you had Kawasaki uh, alumni Mota Fuki, who was in Earth Defense mm-hmm. Widow and the Rug Cop. Um, mm-hmm. Aji Yukali. I'm butchering that last name, who was in Planet Prince 2021 in Monster Seafood Wars. Um, and uh, their co-writer for the... Kawasaki writes all of his films. He produces, directs, and writes all of his films. That's kind of his thing. Yeah. But for this film, he had a co-writer, uh, Tubuo Nakano, um, who wrote Ginga... S and the movie for Ginga S, Ultraman X and the movie, Orb and the movie, R&B and the movie, Taiga and the movie, Ultraman Z and Ultraman Decker. So that's why yeah. I think there's a lot of Ultraman in here. And like this film just feels like it's a Subaraya flex of their friends with a lot of people that worked with Subaraya. Um, even have Subaraya production, a Subaraya Productions logo mm-hmm. <laughs> on Ben Faruya. Which is perfect. Um, mm. but another thing that Nakano did was he did Sexual Parasite, an, an early 2000s um comedy about, yeah. Uh, I mean, he did a few, he 
He's got his start in uh, in porn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, adult videos. So I feel like that partially explains why this film especially feels very suggestive um, mm-hmm. with its jokes, with some of what happens in the film. I feel like a lot of that comes from that. Yeah. But I think the thing that's most interesting about this film, and I in my notes I put kaiju slasher movie question mark because of how Mono, like, kills people it's very much like the slasher um mm-hmm. tropes the producer of meatball machine those films was a producer on this film oh really mm-hmm. um i'm not going to try and pronounce this name it's it's, it's it'll be an say awful it. say it no it'll be awful say it hang on let me okay. get yeah. give give me a second i'll let me just try and not destroy this this name. Yukihiko Yamaguchi. Mm-hmm. He he produced all of the Meatball Machine films. So uh is it's weird to see him on this. This is kind of like a really? You went from kind of gore fest to this? This is kind of interesting. Um I mean hey we all love a bit of variety. This is true. That, that that is very true. So, with that being said, we've we've covered the film and we've talked about it pretty extensively here. But I also just wanted to go on this little tangent. So, this mm-hmm. honestly feels like Kawasaki's like best produced film. Really, I I from what I have seen, this is his like King Records was attached to this. Um, and a few other companies, it felt like it had money behind it in comparison to like Monster Seafood Wars, which I feel like doesn't have a budget. Huh. But I honestly feel like this is like one of his weaker films. Um, mm-hmm. It just feels dry. Um, I, I, yeah. I would honestly say this is a worse parody than Death Kappa. Oh, 100%. I thought... I I found Death Kappa more enjoyable. Now, to be fair, maybe that had something to do with Hideaki Otto playing a Japanese nationalist. That that does kind of that that that's definitely something that makes it memorable. <laughs> right. So, Death Kappa. Uh, sorry, not Death Kappa. This Kaiju Mono doesn't quite have that going for it, unfortunately. And I, I think to that point, I think there's something really to be said there is Death Kappa, while it does have those wink at the camera moments, it doesn't it doesn't try to take you out of the film. Mm. It's at, it's got like it's got all this sexual humor and like wink at the camera moments and tons of references, but it doesn't really do anything interesting with them. Like, Death Kappa, for example, at least, you know, as ridiculous as Death Kappa was as, and as unfunny as it could be at times, I'd say there were just some moments where I'm like, what the hell is going on enough where I genuinely did laugh? You know, having Hideaki Anno talk about 
restoring Japan's Showa ambition as a Japanese nationalist is one of the funniest things I've seen in a in a long time. <laughs> it aged Death Kappa aged like fine wine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I think it's interesting some of the ways that um, even like Kaiju Mono aged. Like we've got those Shin Godzilla sort of elements. So like maybe maybe um, Kawasaki did know going into Death Kappa sort of oh not Death Kappa. Um, Kaiju Mono about sort of those elements being a major element of Shin Godzilla, but like, you know, there's also what if he didn't? What if he just sort of just included that for just because he thought of that as a funny gag? Um, like maybe he watched Guardian of the Universe or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but then even with that, sort of like when Setup X gets, you know, when the around the, the second fight, they talk about Setup X and Ben Faria's character, you know, Ultraman's actor, states how this this is going to revolutionize how humans, you know, approach war. And, you know, I sort of thought back to in Shin Ultraman when in, during the Mephless plot where he sort of like tries to introduce humans to the to Ultraman's technology to become enlarged. Um, so that they can defend themselves in the face of alien invasion, you know? I didn't think about that. Hmm. That isn't a very interesting connection. Yeah. Like, it's it's obviously not intentional, because I, 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 I don't think Shin Ultraman was written <laughs> at this time, and I, I don't even think Subaraya was planning it yet at this time. <laughs> Mm. I started just like doing some sort of big Ultraman project, probably. Maybe, yeah. At, at absolute most, mm-hmm. that's what they would have had planned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely see and agree with what you're saying there. But to that, I also, I, I think something that Death Kappa has that Kajumono doesn't is. When Death Kappa came out, this was six years prior to Kaiju Mono. Mm-hmm. Death Kappa didn't have other movies trying to do what Death Kappa was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I and and I, I I said in our Death Kappa episode that after that film, Kawasaki kind of got handed that torch with uh, Earth Defense Widow, Kaiju Mono, Monster Seafood Wars. Super Legend God, Hizoka, Hikoza. I mean, to be fair, he had sort of done that already, you know, before Death Kappa with Monster X Strikes Back the year before. True, but I'm not... If I remember correctly, now granted, I haven't seen that one, that film in in over 10 years. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to say it was approached differently. It was more just of a weird comedy, not a parody. Um, I mm, I don't know. I can't really comment. I haven't seen it. <laughs> right. And I could be very wrong with that. But I want to say it was more of a comedy than a parody. Mm. And I, I can't. 
Earth Defense Widow, I haven't seen, so I can't comment on that. Um, but I do know Monster Seafood Wars is a straight up comedy uh, and and parody of of multiple uh, topic uh, subjects and and properties. And I've from what I've seen, so is uh, Super Legend God. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, Kaiju Mono is kind of that. Before he did kaiju movies, he did like Calamari Wrestler, Kabuto Beetle. Um, there's another title in there. I can't remember the name. There's Executive Koala. So he he did these kind of like animal suit movies. And one of them was the Calamari Wrestler. That was the one that got him very popular. That was his first film that really got big. Um, yeah. So this was kind of a combination of that that kaiju work and and the calamari wrestler, but kaiju mono doesn't. It it, it very much feels like and and I, I I partially wonder if it was just like made because the studio wanted to make it. It feels very commercialized for a parody. Um, it's got all the big names, you know. It's got. Um, jokes that are very on the nose. Like it knows that it's just this kaiju wannabe film. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that hurts it in a lot of ways. Mm. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. This, for me, I... I enjoyed probably like the first 30 to 40 ish minutes of the movie. Um, but you know, from that point forward after like just a little bit after that first fight, the film kind of just wasn't doing anything for me after, after that. So I think it also hurts from the fact that there's, they're very quick to get to the, the, just major plot points that there's not enough development to make you want to hang on after the first fight. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Would you say you like this more than, Oh, you already said that you liked it less than death cap, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. No, death cap, uh, and I, and I'm not gonna say that I I don't think either of them are good, but I I feel like Death Kappa just it came out way earlier, six years earlier, and I think it hit everything that Kaiju Mono hit, but with a better execution. Yeah, I'd agree. Even down to I the mean, wrestling. Even- Honestly. Because during Death Kappa, they have a wrestling sequence with a mm. kaiju that reminds me a lot of Mono. Mm. And I mean, they they even go, you know, Death Kappa. One of one of the strengths of Death Kappa is the fact that it's directed by a special effects director. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the the kaiju sequences in in Death Kappa are shot pretty well. 
Whereas here, there's sort of more of just like pointing and shooting. Correct. Um, one thing I actually noticed was like during fight sequences in Tokusatsu, you know, you'll have actors wearing like these specific, you know, tailor-made outfits, and sometimes not all the costume pieces are the most ideal for stunt work. Mm-hmm. So, like. Boots, for example, are commonly changed. This, um, and they'll be swapped out for like sneakers and something mm-hmm. in like certain shots where they're necessary, which is something that happens in Gora a lot due to some very pretty complicated fight choreography. And so, like, there's one character, Scorpion, who's like wearing these like knee, not not knee high, but like almost like calf high boots sort sort of thing and you know that just switches out to like these regular sort of sneakers so that she can do some of her stunts during a fight scene and the the film just doesn't really care to hide that you know Mm -hmm. it just kind of shoots without making the considerations of oh the audience is just going to see that you know immediately and so like that sort of framing also transfers over to even the kaiju, mm-hmm. the kaiju sequences where it feels like there's not a lot of consideration to the foreground. Right. Um, which in turn, you kind of lose that effect of it's a big monster. This is a big 40 meter tall man. Whereas no, it's just two guys on a miniature set with the way it's shot. Absolutely. Uh, it's it's a parody, so it can, it's it's allowed to sort of get away with that, but Def Kappa, Def Kappa, sort of, it had that cinematography where it needed to, right, right, and here it does sometimes do that. It just it's inconsistent here. Sometimes it's done well. Sometimes it feels like they haven't fought it out too much. Right, and that was my big problem with the effects is at the beginning, there's actually there's this shot that I really like with Mono, and it's a crane shot of the camera going towards Mono while Mono is in the forest. Mm-hmm. And it looks like something Kawakita would have shot for that Pachinko Godzilla game. Or mm-hmm. that one theme park ride where they shot original Godzilla footage. Um... It looks really good. That doesn't happen in the rest at at all in the rest of the film. Yeah. And that could be perhaps because they had two days to shoot all the kaiju stuff. Yeah. But that I, I feel like ignoring the fact that it's not very strong in that department is wrong because that is a problem with the film, at least to me. Yeah, look, you can make concessions for issues. Like, you can understand why things are the way they are, but, you know, it, it doesn't mean it's any any less valid of a criticism, you know? Absolutely. And really, I, I honestly feel like the best, the best thing this film has is the fact you get to see so many Ultraman actors. Mm-hmm. 
in one movie. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I feel like that's it. Like, besides that, the at least on a Western kaiju fan perspective. And it's very obvious from the dub that there's jokes that I'm not supposed to understand. Mm-hmm. But from my perspective, that is the best thing the film has to offer is seeing these actors that I know from other things in this movie. Something that mm-hmm. I will give Kaijumono this wasn't very popular until recently with like Great Buddha Arrival and Nezula, Nezura 1964, the upcoming Kaiju Island of Fire, um, Hiroshi 35, like all of these upcoming independent Kaiju films, not, not by Kawasaki, but these other films that filmmakers are making are including a bunch of cameos from Showa actors and whatnot. Yeah. So I'll give Kawasaki that. He he was the first to do this idea of let's have a bunch of these people appear in this independently produced kaiju movie for random cameos. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that's a great thing. I mean, I love seeing it, but... Yeah. At least for me, with Kai, uh, Kaiju Island of Fire, I don't know how Tomoko Ai is going to be in the movie, but it's going to be really weird to see her in anything but Katsura. <laughs> so, like, I don't even... I'd like, I, I'll watch it, I'm excited to see her, but I don't know if I'll like her character, because I can only see her as Katsura. I don't even see her as her Ultraman Leo character. Like, Katsura is who she is, in my eyes. Mm-hmm. And will forever be that. So, I I will give Kawasaki and Kaiju Mono that. Yeah, but that's almost like like that's the best I can give it. Mm. I wouldn't recommend this. I mean, really, that credit would probably be more more worth going to some of the other parodies that came before. You know, Death Kappa, Monster X Strikes Back, or even Ultraman Zerf. You know. Zerth, that's that's a good example, Zerth. That I forget about that one, but that's probably because mm-hmm. that one's like not independent. Well, and you haven't seen it, yeah. <laughs> so i I mean i I would not I wouldn't recommend Kaijumono to somebody who, like Death Kappa. I feel like you have to be, especially for Kaijumono, you need to know Ultraman. Yeah, at least the Showa. Ultraman, like maybe up to Jack. Um, I think you need to know that, and you need to know, <laughs> yeah. And, or like, I also think you need to know just your typical like Godzilla or Gamera or both. Um, yeah. To app- I mean, you got to have some familiarity with the genre to right you know, be able to appreciate what it's referencing. Or at least in like when I first watched Mono, because this was the second time I I'd watched the film. Um, yeah, I wasn't well versed in Ultraman, so I didn't understand any of the references whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I liked it a little bit more when I didn't understand it, but that's because I didn't realize everything in it was just jokes 
on other kaiju movies that I've already seen and are way better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also feel like not knowing that stuff, you kind of go in with kind of this ignorant outlook that you don't you don't get to understand or experience everything the way it kind of was meant to be. Because Kawasaki definitely made the film with the idea of people watching this are fans of kaiju. They're going to know these people. Yeah. So, like I said, I mm. wouldn't recommend it. It's not. I think there's better comedies out there. I think there's better Kawasaki films out there. Kaiju or non-kaiju. And it just mm. has a lot to left to be desired, I think. Um, this, I, I would say, might be like an equivalent to like Airplane. In, in kaiju films because of how it satirizes not only kaiju but like Rocky and Kung Fu movies and James Bond movies and slasher movies. Yeah. It, it, it's it's a blend of a bunch of different genres. Probably a blend of a lot of what um, Kawasaki loves, I'd imagine. Yeah. So... There's, I, I would say there's just too much in this movie. Too much for what little you get from it. Yeah. So. It was it was a bit too long for me as well, personally. See, yeah. I, I think I disagree with you for once. Really? I just think the issue comes that the story is not... I'd argue it might be too short. I feel like the story goes by too fast to not... Damn, this is... This is like the first time where you've where you've said the movie's too short, and I'm saying it's too long. <laughs> well, because like I like I said earlier, the film doesn't take any time on developing anything. They just mm-hmm. do the thing that they say they'll do. There's no, mm-hmm. I mean, the closest to that development is the evil genes, but even then, most of that development's off screen, and we just are expected to say, okay, it happened and move on. Yeah. So I wish we could see more of what was going on and maybe less of Kaiju stuff. Mm. Or I, just, know, I think the Kaiju, I think the Kaiju balance is actually pretty decent in the film. I just, I wish, I wish there was more to the film. I, I want there to be, be more like, content to to take in mm. I don't know I, I I wasn't huge on the runtime I I I respected Def Kappa for being having a short runtime even though that film is sort of I'd scraping. say it was 15 minutes too long I'll, I'll agree that it was scraping the barrel trying to trying to extend itself to that 80 minute mark, but I'm glad it didn't go, you know, past that. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I do like parodies to be short and sweet sort of affairs. I guess maybe I if think long form comedy works a lot, at least not for me. It um, doesn't work a lot. I guess to that, I will say maybe if, Kaiju Mono had cut some of its subplots, like the 
secret organization trying to steal his briefs and the karate thing. Maybe if it was funnier, I would be if it was yeah. funnier, I'd probably be okay with it. If if the jokes landed, if if the writing was legitimately humorous, yeah. Mm. But it, the film definitely suffers from lack of interesting stuff. Yeah. Whether it's too short or it's too long or it's not funny, it's one of those. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we can at least end on with agreeing. Yeah. Is the film is in dire need of something to make it interesting. Hmm. And that's the beginning of our Kawasaki month, everybody. Wahoo! <laughs> Yippee. I, I, We've got three more to go, and so far, not a good start. But who knows? Maybe the next film will, will be better. I hope it is. I, I, hope I haven't seen it yet. Please. I'll, please be better. I will say this. <laughs> I was kind of... And this is kind of post uh, Kaiju Mono. I was a little upset because I don't remember not liking Kaiju Mono as much as I did. Maybe it's just like those retrospective eyes coming in and and seeing, wait a minute, this isn't... I, I think Kawasaki does have some good ones. And I'm excited to rewatch what we do have scheduled. Because I think mm-hmm. I will... At least for one of the films I know when I watched it, um, which was not too long ago, I appreciated uh, it a lot more than I thought I would. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that I, I do end up uh, liking what we see. And, and maybe this quite simply was just simply Kawasaki going commercial and going commercial is maybe. not his thing. I mean, look, I'm, I'm hoping this is the worst film because if it's, if this is the worst film, then that's it's bad, but it's not too bad, you know. Mm-hmm. I definitely it's think better than the light. Damn. <laughs> that Look. damn. I, mm, okay. The opening of the lake was pretty banger though. I'll give the lake that. Okay. Damn. <laughs> well, with that, I, I got nothing more. Like, damn. <laughs> Damn. Damn. You see, I'm I'm kind of thinking on whether or not I agree with what I just said, but I'm going to I'm just going to commit to that statement because I think it's funny. Yeah, you you you've already committed to it. It's too late. <clears throat> yep. All right. My opinions opinions never change. Alrighty. Okay. Well, with that, I think we've talked about the movie for plenty of time. We're at about probably two hours or so. Oh, so God. this is going to be an interesting, interesting period for me as editor. I have complete and total faith in your ability to succeed. I am scared. Send help. You got this. You good. Send help. So, with that being said, maybe people have enjoyed us complaining. I feel like we've been complaining a lot lately. 
Mm. Do you get that feeling? Mm. A little. I mean, we did start off the year with Godzilla vs. Kong, so it was kind of inevitable. Yeah. And I guess, you know, we, we, we do try and highlight some positives. Yeah, and Devilman as well. So that's sort of... Those those really set the tone for the year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, as long as we don't cover Godzilla City on the edge of battle, we're good. Because, spoiler alert... Well, I have bad news for you, buddy. Well, I'll, <laughs> I'll be gone that episode. I will not be here. Or it just changes the entire podcast schedule to remove city on the edge of battle completely absolutely i'll go back in time and erase that movie from existence i'll make it so uh the toho servers accidentally deleted it instead of deleting batgirl so we'll get batgirl instead of godzilla city on the edge of battle and we'll see if i destroy the universe no 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 no. just replace city on the edge of battle with prophecies of nostradamus on 4k yes I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> and then half human somehow got licensed. Mm. And then Toho got sued by the com- the group that fights for those to be banned. And Toho went bankrupt and Godzilla got sold to Disney. Still exist. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. Probably not. Well, Rex, we do know one thing. We can find ourselves on the internet and people can find us too so why don't you tell the lovely people listening if they still are where they can find you at to support you well dear viewers you may be shocked to find that i can be found on youtube at rexino on twitter at rex underscore xenomorph and on instagram at rex underscore xeno and if you want to check out a bit of my writing Go check out the Tokusatsu Network. If you want to find me on YouTube, you can find me at ET13Productions, on Twitter at ET13Productions, on Instagram at ET13Productions. If you want to find my writing, you can go to kaijuramenmedia.com and check out the news articles I've posted or purchase the issues that I've written in, Kaiju Ramen Magazine. I have worked on practically every issue up until this point and going forward. I at least have one more. We'll see if I get more. Well, we don't know. <laughs> that's a, that's an inside joke. It's funny. Please laugh. Like all the jokes in Kaiju Mono. Yes, the audience gets it. So please, if you want to help support me, check those out. I do have some up t- upcoming content coming that I'm really proud of, and I'd love for you guys to see it. Beyond that, you can find my personals, if you personal social medias, if you want to. I'm not going to tell you where to find them but they're not hard to find. But as for the podcast, if you want to help us, don't forget to rate us on iTunes. That boosts our ratings and helps us get recommended to more people like you. We are still sitting at a 3.2 star rating. If more people could give us those five star ratings, that would be perfect. I'd like to think we're a little better than average. Mm -hmm. If you don't have an Apple device, which I don't blame you, I don't kind of not really... 
You can rate us on Spotify that way or leave us feedback as there is now a question that Spotify uh, asks you at the bottom of each episode's page. If you want to stay up to date with all things Kaiju Conversation related, you can tweet us and follow us on Twitter at K-A-I-J-U underscore C-O-N-V-E-R-S. If you don't have Twitter, you can follow us on Instagram or like us on Facebook. If you're like me before podcasting and you don't have any social media, lucky you, you can email us at kaijuconversation at gmail.com, all lowercase, all one word, you know the drill. And as always, we'll read your reviews on air for everyone to hear. We also have a Teespring store, eventually we'll have some original artwork, but until then, you can sport one of our awesome logos on a t-shirt, or socks, or a sticker or coaster or other things. I think there's pants. If you want to wear pants, please wear pants. Don't don't leave your house without pants. Yeah, don't don't be don't don't be like the main character of Kajimono. Yeah. He 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 needed pants. Mm. He needed pants. If you'd like to chat with us one-on-one, because obviously we're the coolest cats in town, check out our Discord server, where you can chat with us or people that love the things that you do as well if you're listening to this podcast. Recently, the discussion we had in our general chat appears to have been... Was it Shin Kamen Rider? Shin Kamen Rider and Ultraman Taro. Ooh. So... I don't know how Taro relates to Shin Kamen Rider, but... Well, given what I've been hearing about Shin Kamen Rider, that might be mildly concerning. (laughs) I would definitely be concerned. It's a great community full of great people, a lot of great conversations. And please don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the bell so you can be notified anytime we upload a video. Sometimes we post exclusives to the channel, like the bloopers for these episodes, minisodes, or other subjects. We also have an interview with Mechagodzilla designer Jared Kurchevsky. I probably butchered his name. I'm sorry, but we do have one with him on the channel. A huge thanks to Rex for editing all of these episodes and the other content we upload. His links can be found in the description below. Definitely check him out. Along with Rex, we'd like to give a huge thanks and shout out to Danny DeMana of the Godzilla Novelization Project for his amazing vocals on our theme song. You can support him by following him on Twitter at Danzilla93 underscore GNP or visit his website, GodzillaNovelizationProject.com. Along with Danny, we'd like to give a huge thanks to Grattan Conwell from the podcast Giant Monster BS for composing the music for our theme song. You can support him by following the podcast on Twitter at GiantMonsterBS or on any podcasting platform under the name GiantMonsterBS. And with that... We're going to get down and fight like we're Kaiju Mono and a wrestling guy and go three rounds and prove that I am once again the king of the podcast. Rex is a no. loser. Take a fat L. Nah, nah. I, I'm, I'm just going to destroy this man. You see, I'm the one that actually goes to the gym. So like, I'm basically already winning. Oh. Oh. I'm a f- I was an ex football player. Oh well, um, um, that no matter. Oh, okay. And not the football Lost with the kicking cups. the ball. 
This was the football where you had to tackle the people with the ball. Um, you've lost all touch and skill. I I went into work in shorts the other day, and my coworker said, you got some big calves. And I said, yeah, I used to play football. And now it's the end of that conversation. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm going to go buy a Sailor Moon outfit. That would be horrifying. <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> Rex has bullied me to the point where I'm going to go buy a Sailor Moon outfit. And with that, we're going to wrap things up here. So thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, please remember, life's too short to not talk big. Bye, guys. Bye. We are set. We are in debt. There's nothing to sweat. Life's too short now, baby. Too now.